0: Welcome back to Muscle Fitness Health, the Ads Fitness Podcast and we're on episode four and something slightly different because whilst I'm sure I would have touched on these uh, things anyway, I did post a, a question on my uh, Facebook page recently to see what some of you guys wanted to learn more about. I gave a few options, there's actually a pretty, pretty even split between but um I think a client and friend of mine in particular, and I think it's about the most popular one anyway, uh, commented on the option that uh, I've chosen to talk about today. Um, And it's actually one where I I think like this episode is going to be more of a sort of summary on some things. And I have no doubts whatsoever that um, I'll be covering more aspects of this topic um, in other ways as we progress. The topic is supplements. Now, this, uh, uh, yeah, I I guess you can see why I may do certain episodes because I'm not like focusing on one particular supplement or anything with this. So I'm giving a pretty much a summary, if you like, an overview of what's really kind of, I suppose, the main, some of the most common ones. Um, but then also just give you guys some pointers so you don't waste your money like I did. And I have no doubt many of us did. I know certainly most of my clients, the coaches that I mentor, um, we've all been there and done it. You know, particularly when I was first getting into this, my sort of late teens, early 20s, you didn't really have anything. Um, I think we had dial up internet and stuff back then. So I, I was, you know, most of my um so I guess sort of, you know, knowledge on those things may have come from magazines. And of course, that means you're looking, you pick up men's health initially, the muscle fitness. And of course, you think that if you take the same brand of protein as the guy you want to look like takes, or I say takes, is sponsored by, <laughs> um, then you're going to look that way. And of course, it's not the case. Um, But even, you know, when you're past those misconceptions, um, you still, I, I certainly still waste a lot of money on supplements. And on that, one thing, huge thing that I'm going to point out right now is that if you're not progressing through your diet and training, there's not a single supplement on the planet that is going to make that progress start happening um don't get me wrong there are some specialist cases and other supplements maybe ones that i won't be touching on here with the general um sort of viewpoint of this show um you know where someone may particularly benefit from something just due to you know the body utilization of other things or lack of production of something but um this is to give you a general outline so you guys don't really waste your money and also so you can get the insight as to where things may offer benefits to you and I guess the perfect starting point with this one is going to be whey protein. Um, Of course there are different types, and of course in this day and age as well, the non-whey, types of protein are actually getting better as well. Um, You know, particularly like vegan proteins, Um, but yeah, generally whey is, is, well it is still superior, I mean it's more to do with the uh amino acid makeup um and of course some of the growth factors as well which are you know actually often stripped out but i'm going to generalize i'll say whey protein and really obviously if you are a vegan vegan using a vegan protein then similar principles will apply um i'm not really going to touch too much on casein in fact what i what i will do is um well I'll just explain why i don't tend to use casein much with clients um There is, of course, there is absolutely merit to the fact that it is a slower digesting protein and therefore is marketed as being great overnight. However, casein protein is pretty much a waste product. Um, Of course, in finding out that it's a slower digesting protein than whey, there's a marketing chance there with regards to overnight delivery that kind of means that a product that is pretty cheap to produce is therefore often marketed as something you need for overnight. I personally have just a, a little bit of I, I, I guess moral like sort of value on paying the those sort of prices for a product um, that does not cost too much to produce. Quality way products on the other hand they, they do actually cost quite a bit of money to produce. Um, People will actually talk about the price of like superior ones and, and everything as well. But I'm going to give you some information to help you make the best decisions. And incidentally, whilst I'm totally on board with any of my clients who like to use casein protein for an overnight source, do note that if you combine protein sources with other foods, whether it's sort of veg, fibers, or even fats, then the digestion speed does slow so I, I tend to if, if, if clients are having to shake for their last kind of meal before bed uh, as opposed to whole food then I would combine fats with it so it does digest slower so whey protein it's firstly it's not essential um, as odd as that may sound you can get pretty much just the same results with whole food depending on how your diet is set up. So the most important consideration is the total amount of protein that you're guessing being right for you. Once that's in place, where that protein comes from is well is largely secondary, but animal protein source is generally going to be superior in amino acid makeup. Um, and whey protein we tend to count as one of those coming from dairy. The advantages of whey though, of course, it's easy to consume. So if you require large amounts of protein, struggle to eat it all, whey's a great option. It's also very convenient, um, you know, very quick to make and consume. It does digest quicker. And of course, depending on the type of whey protein, that that speed could be enhanced by how far it's already partially digested. So if you're going for a concentrate, it will digest a little slower than isolates. So most of the top ones now are combined isolate and concentrate. You can get hydro isolates whereby protein will digest very, very quickly because it's already partially digested. Now, if you have, so just get to one, one little thing to touch on there with regards to digestion speed, because I'm sure many of you listening think that's extremely important. Um, it certainly was to me for, for a number of years when I started. However, The main area where that would be handy, of course, is the like sort of shake straight after training. Uh, Now, if you actually look at the science and the benefits though, and this can give, give a segue onto BCAAs perhaps as well, in that it's the branched chain amino acids and leucine in particular that actually spike or initiate the protein synthesis and sort of switch the body into building mode. Now, of course though, a a good sort of correlate uh, sorry a good analogy is like building a house the BCAAs turn on the building but you still need the bricks now if you have taken in on board a lot of protein in your pre-workout meal and some may even intra-workout then you're already going to have most likely enough amino acids around the essential amino so if you're taking care of that elsewhere then having that quick digesting protein after training is not so essential, um, so it, it needs to th- that it can benefit just depending on how your nutrition is set up so if you 've got your nutrition set up a certain way the way I tend to do with clients then it's not it 's not going to have any benefit to having that post workout however i'll caveat that caveat that sorry by saying I do tend to go with a whey protein prior to training because of the ease of digestion Um, but then that also means that combined with the right intra-workout I know that I have those amino acids available so I can finish my workout, finish my intra-shake and then go and have some whole food. The intra-workout there though is quite important to you know enable that option and and for it to be beneficial. If you're drinking quite a lot intra workout and pre-workout as well, it can be quite tacting to then wolf down a shake and then try and get some food in soon after as well. So intra workout nutrition I'm sure I'll cover in an episode all by itself. But whey protein see it as convenient, see it as an easy way to top up your proteins total and see it as a means to have something that's easy, quick digestion, i.e. pre-workout does not sit on your stomach as much as, as whole food might. I will leave that one there because I have no doubt at all that there's a lot more I could say on this. I could go on forever. So, with regards to anything else that I cover in this episode, please do reach out to me with any questions and I will no doubt you know, be able to cover other things in uh, episodes in the future. However, we're 10 minutes in, I'm only on whey protein. So, going to move on then to BCAAs. Firstly, if you're just looking at a sort of lifestyle change, um, BCAAs, you won't notice any difference if you're taking them or not um if you're serious about your physique progress and you've got obviously all your nutrition in place then they can be extremely useful the science shows us that within sort of two and a half to three hours of a meal and again go back to what i mentioned on whey protein with it being leucine the bcaa particularly that triggers the sort of um, building mechanism if you like it it triggers the synthesis um, of protein to be elevated um, with regard, like you've got protein synthesis, protein degradation are always going on at any one time, but the balance between the two shifts. So if you train, for example, and then you've got that 2.5 to 3 grams of leucine to initiate the building process, that elevation in protein synthesis will occur with regards to um, the balance between that and degradation, be- as long as you've got the building blocks around. Now that that the other thing with BCAAs is, is that the molecules can be absorbed directly into the bloodstream and into the muscle cell, so they can get there extremely quickly. Now, this does give us an advantage with in a couple of aspects. Firstly, intra-workout, I have looked at loads of science over the years, and something I've done for about four or five years now is in intra-workout shakes using BCAAs, sometimes with EAAs as well. But of course, if you've got your uh, amino acids from elsewhere, pre-workout meal, not as essential. But having the BCAAs intra-workout can mean that the body is effectively thinking, hang on, we can actually build here. We don't need to necessarily be breaking down. You can effectively start that building process during training, when that insulin sensitivity in muscle tissue is heightened. If you combine them with a carb powder that's quick digesting as well, then both of those will be taken into the muscle during that training session. Of course, in the past, we used to train and then get that nutrition in to start the repair process. Why wait? Do it an intra-workout. And then, of course, that, as I touched on earlier, that means you can then just go and have that meal um, during, uh, sorry, after training. The other thing with BCAAs to note is from what I've just mentioned on the, after two and a half, three hours of a sort of dose of leucine, note that all proteins do contain BCAAs as well. But if you're leaving like six hours between meals, even if you're intermittent fasting, as long as the amino acids for building are around, then having that spike in leucine again can spike protein synthesis. So if you're not having a meal for sort of six hours, say having some BCAAs in between those meals can help uh, prevent the sort of rise in protein degradation um, to synthesis ratio. Let's move on, creatine. Now creatine is one of the most studied, one of the most proven and useful supplements there is we still have many misconceptions about it though. Let's note first that creatine is involved in any energy turnover at high intensities, i.e. muscular contractions under uh, intense resistance. So therefore it can help us improve our strength and strength endurance because it allows a quicker turnover and a greater supply of creatine phosphate to be used as a, that high intensity energy source. Now when initially we had creatine monohydrate alone okay it's the first one to come to the market loads of research and studies on it showing the effectiveness but it wasn't that expensive no though creatine monohydrate is 100% effective and and on that the, I, I can, I'm going to just touch on something I should have mentioned with whey as well, absorption. So you will perhaps see things like creatine effelester and maybe some others as well that are marketed because they have a greater absorption or higher uptake. And just want to touch on that the with whey as well. We absorb all that we take in. If we have excess, it comes out in the toilet. Okay. So unless you're Taken in some protein and then two minutes later on your toilet on the toilet because it's gone straight through you we have absorbed the nutrients that we need from that now creatine monohydrate has been studied so much it is proven to be 100 percent effective at saturating creatine stores of course when it comes to marketing and a price point difference if we can therefore use tricks to suggest that something is better then we will do so if it if we can make a greater profit from it. So bear that in mind don't go for other options stick to creatine monohydrate it's 100% effective and as I mentioned that's a saturating creatine stores. Not everybody benefits from creatine so I see a lot of people saying yeah everyone should take this. If you have your creatine stores saturated naturally you will not benefit from taking creatine. Uh, the only way really to do this and it's what i suggest to clients is to try it try it for a few weeks see if you notice an improvement in strength or strength endurance i.e can you do eight reps of that weight instead of six and you know if that is the case then it's likely that the creatine that you're taking on is helping to saturate your creatine stores. If you do not see any benefit at all, then it's likely that your creatine stores are saturated naturally. And when I say naturally, of course, the body does uh, sort of produce some, but we're taking it in from food. Um, the if, if you're a vegan then you're more likely to benefit from creatine because you're not going to be getting as much in from the food. But again, try it, see if you benefit. If you don't notice a difference, don't waste your money. I also don't suggest doing the loading phases and then cycling it because, again, it's more of a marketing ploy. If you're taking 20 grams of creatine for five days, you're going to hold a hell of a lot of water under the skin as well as in the muscle. People think they've added five to ten pounds of muscle in the space of a few weeks creatine is amazing okay so they then stay on it for the four weeks or six weeks whatever the label says come off drop all that water and believe that they've lost muscle because they've stopped taking creatine it's proving to the marketing company that their product is amazing just take five grams a day see if you benefit And if you're not taking more than that, you don't need to cycle. If you're taking five grams a day, you will still saturate your creatine stores over time. Okay, I'm gonna move on to carb powders. Um, Just gonna be very quick on this one. There are many, many different ones. Their use really um, is intra-workout. So I will do another episode, I'm sure, on intra-workout nutrition. I use a car powder into workout um, because I want that glycogen replenishment and repair process with uh, amino acids as well to start during my training session. The, that insulin sensitivity is going to be at its highest when those muscles are screaming out for energy whilst you're training. And in doing so, you will basically take, we used to talk about taking advantage of that hour or whatever after training, do it during the session. And there are many, many different types, but if you have, they generally will do the same job. I do feel personally that dextrose with some people will sit on the stomach. Um, so may, you know, be a little, depending on the amounts that you use, maybe a little sort of diff, cause a little discomfort during training. My favorite is branched cyclic dextrin because there is also science that suggests that it may uh, be able to aid the uptake of amino acids into the muscle with it due to the shape and molecule. Um, I personally tried it for a good year or so before rolling out to clients. And whilst it's impossible to study in isolation over that period of time, I do believe it's beneficial, and that's why I stick to that one over others. But generally, they will do the same job. But just be aware that some, like dextros, may feel a bit less comfortable because they don't do go through the stomach and need digesting. Okay, weight gainers don't use weight gainers. If you're using a weight gainer, you need to have somebody help you with your nutrition. Because quite simply, they're going to be a combination of protein and usually sugary carbohydrates, you're most likely to be adding fat, and you're taking on a fixed ratio carbohydrates to protein which I'm presuming most people who are purchasing weight gainers are not considering and factoring into their total amount of carbohydrates and protein that they've calculated they need. So what I've just touched on with carb powders, if you have a separate carb powder and protein, if you need to have those both together, um, then you can control the amounts that you're putting in. Because the 300-pound bodybuilder, who's 10% body fat, may need different amounts of carbohydrates and protein to someone who's 150 pounds and 20% body fat. Just learn more about nutrition. Okay, fat burners. So fat burners can be useful. Um, Most of the major brands will contain similar ingredients. The I need to do a separate episode on these, but just to sort of keep it brief, I do only tend to have clients use them towards the end of a cut because the high amount of stimulants can increase metabolism and, well, heart rates are there for, particularly during um, something like cardio, the heart rate could be elevated or it can get to the point you want it to with less work, so to speak. The Some of the ingredients in carnitine is one that is shown to help transportation not burning carnitine is not a stimulant it can help transportation of uh, fatty acids into the cells. so the thing that I would touch on there is in most testing uh, carnitine through oral ingestion does not actually increase um, muscle carnitine levels but it is at the same time proven to help with the transportation so I wouldn't ever sort of consider going and using it as a separate supplement but most of the um, most of the sort of all-round fat burners, uh, well, thermogenic will, fat burners will include that as well. But the main factor with those really is the stimulants to uh, help the um, body basically burn more, more energy. And they can be effective. They're not going to cause you to lose fat alone. Again, like I touched on at the start, you need to be progressing anyway, and they can help. And why, the reason I use them just at the end of a diet is because over time, not only will the body adapt, but those stimulants will increase resting cortisol levels. Okay, which will eventually start to hinder fat loss and also your muscle mass. So I tend to find that if you're on them for longer than six weeks, you're going to start to see negative um, effects, and and those negatives are going to outweigh the positives. So that last sort of six, four to eight week period, I guess, of, of a diet is um, a good time to use them. If needed and certainly not essential, and I don't use them with everybody. And the, the last one I'm going to touch on today, one of the most important ones really fish oils. Fish oils can, are, can contain essential fatty acids that the body cannot produce itself. Now, whilst you may eat a lot of fatty fish in your diet and get plenty of EFAs that way, um, there is so much science to suggest that like a, an increase can can help with muscle building. It can help with metabolism. It can help with you know, even like platelet, blood cell production, uh, brain function. You know, just go and Google health benefits of fish oils. They're bloody brilliant. And it, the links to muscle uh, were still something that we're looking in and working on more. But if you're certainly feeling good as well, that's a massive benefit in itself. Um, But there is, I I mean, I've seen clients like stepping up from sort of four fish oils and going as high as six and actually seeing benefits from that. So I think fish oils are essential even for people who do not train. If you're vegan as well, then they should be an absolute must. Um, But I, um, no doubt that I'll do another episode on these. Perhaps one last thing to touch on actually is just to make sure that you get quality of two of these products in particular, fish oils. If you get a cheap fish oil, um, and when I say cheap, it's very hard to actually you know know for sure with some of the products. But of course, do bear in mind that some of the more expensive ones, the leading brands, they're perhaps going to be tested more. Okay, there's so much science that shows that the cheaper fish oils due to contamination of the fish and no doubt how they're farmed actually increase the inflammation markers that a quality fish oil is supposed to decrease. So there's a huge difference between them. Do not get cod liver oil, for example. Get yourself a quality fish oil supplement. And similar with whey protein, um, amino acid spiking, whereby the... Um, sort of the proteins topped up with cheaper amino acids so they can put a higher protein amount on the label is very very common depending on the country you're from as well there is a huge um, sort of allowance if you like in discrepancy between the products and the label so you may see 24 grams of protein it may only have 18 Um, you may see 24 grams of protein it may have a 18 and then actually be spiked with some of the, the cheaper easier amino acids to make it seem like it's 22 grams maybe but then four of those grams are incomplete proteins just through amino acid spiking so again with this one the the key is to go for something from a major brand that's quality not looking for the cheapest uh, because those ones are more likely to be tested and in fact there have been many independent tests done so if you use a particular brand it's well worth googling um, just to see what the the sort of results were if that has been tested. I'm not going to mention any elk because I'm not really affiliated and that's intentional <laughs> so I've just given you the information but generally if you go for a major brand it's going to be tested more. And of course, when we we touch on price, okay, I can't really afford that though. Well, what are you paying for? You know, if you pay for something that's like 20% cheaper, but only got 50% as much protein in, you're actually being ripped off that way and you're going to end up spending more. The other thing to consider as well, actually, with, with whey proteins and price is even if you go for one of the top ones, when you actually calculate the cost gram per gram of protein, it actually stacks up very, very well against even the cheapest food sources like tuna and chicken, etc. Guys, I know I've given you lots to take in and I know there's a lot more that I could touch on with all of them as well, as well as many more supplements. So what I'm going to say, firstly, thank you for listening. If you've liked this episode, it's been useful. I would love it if you share it. Please give me a review. Uh, Please, guys. And of course if you want to find me on facebook adam bates um you should see the the page just like quite the guy with his top off will come up (laughs) um and you're more than welcome to reach out there with any feedback from this show and of course questions and info that you would like more on for future episodes as well thank you for listening